0: Hey, welcome to the Good Writing Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Good Writing Podcast.
0: Where two MFA friends talk writing craft. Indeed. This week on just... the pod, uh, we talk about Having and Being Had by Eula Biss, a an um, essay collection of very short essays interrogating capitalism and her class standing.
1: Yeah. It's excellent. It's a great episode. I think we get into some good stuff, and we have a really good writing exercise recommendation at the end. I think that it's... Uh, Really helpful, yeah.
0: I mm. love this exercise. It's about constraints. Uh, you'll now have to listen to the episode to hear more about it.
1: Yeah, and if you're here, I assume that's what you're doing, anyways. <laughs> 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 Salesmanship in this episode. <laughs> Enjoy. <the episode>. Enjoy.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Yeah.
1: Starting strong, you're back, you're back
0: That would be uh, an obstacle To doing this pod Is if I was muted the whole time yeah.
1: <laughs> What if I didn't say anything I was just like, this is fine, we'll figure it out From <laughs> here Like, that that feels like something My social anxiety would make me do It's like, I just don't tell them, don't tell them it's not working it's Would you, working. an
0: hour long
1: episode You think you would You it, would it, it would become noticeable at some point that I didn't know what you were talking about when I was just going mm-hmm, mm, to everything you said, including questions. You're like, why is he so angry at me? Why like, is he so mad? He thinks I'm yeah. making such bad points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, it's
0: good to see you. Happy, it's March. Happy March.
1: Yeah, happy March. Happy Smarts weather. Um, happy glad to be here.
0: Hmm. Happy it's almost spring weather. Happy I'm gonna start wearing Birkenstocks bef- while it's still like fifty degrees out due
1: to wishful thinking mm. it's a good life. It's a good life indeed. It's a good life where I'm out here in the old in the old Sarasota where it's still uh, ninety degrees just like it was in <laughs> all the other months out of the year <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: the diversity of Sarasotas uh, not. Not in, not in the weather. That's no. not where you're going to get it.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, listener, I am now doing this from Sarasota. No longer in my Tallahassee home. I've mo- I've moved. Uh, I'm just, I'm coming up in the world. Uh, <laughs> he said, yeah. "I want to go somewhere in Yeah, exactly. I want to go so- back to closer to my hometown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, then I have you on the move. Um, yeah. I have no. Uh, Still in Denver, same same backdrop in this video call as ever. Um, so it. no excuses for me about why it's <laughs> taken us a month and a half to record the episode.
1: <laughs> Look, because it's, listener, it's hard to do anything. I'm sure you know this in your day to day life. Consider making dinner and the amount of effort that sometimes takes. Have you ever thought about ingredients? There's multiple
0: <laughs> ingredients. It,
1: exactly. That's it,
0: massive. It,
1: If I have to watch a video and they're like, I'm making a one-pot meal, and I'm like, can we do that in half? Can we just use half of the pot, please? (laughs) Can we streamline this?
0: How can we simplify and scale this? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Ben, we've got a really good... I'm really excited for this one.
1: Yeah, Um, me too.
0: Before we launch into it, though, Mm -hmm.
1: um, how is writing going for you? Writing? is going really well. What? <laughs> it's just the first time I've said that on this podcast, I think. my god, call the presses. <laughs> um, it's it's insane. Um, when I you know when I lost my previous job, I was suddenly inundated with time. I have a different job now, which is a not nearly as intensive of a job. And as a result of that, I write for like at least an hour pretty much every weekday.
0: Oh my like, god! So because
1: so, I don't get it every time, every day, but that's fine, you know. But I'm actually like making progress. Like I've completed a short story. Like I wrote it and then I revised it, and now I'm sending it off to things. I'm working on a book. What? I'm writing. What? <laughs> I don't what? Know, it's... Having time is the
0: secret to being <laughs> devoting time to writing. <laughs>
1: yeah. the The sad truth of it is, is that it's like the the reason I do this is because my the the latest, the, the earliest that a shift will start for me is 10 a.m., so if I get up at like 7 or 8, I have time to exercise and get a little noodling around on the computer done. I can do it when I get home, if I oh get God. home before 5, because that happens sometimes too. And some days I just don't have to go in, and I can do stuff on those days.
0: <laughs> and he's a healthy king to boot.
1: This sucks. I'm so mad. <laughs> That's fair. Well, my trade off <sighs> is that um, I don't make any money, and yeah. <laughs> like it's um, one of those classic triangles of like you know pick two like work life balance, <laughs> enough money, <laughs> enjoy like yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's that that's a little bit of the struggle but i'm working on that bit and i, I should have that resolved too so hopefully it'll be it'll be okay
0: i'm very happy for you um thank you other than just having the time to spare and mm-hmm. devoting time to it have you been doing any new strategies to get yourself to to be making cool stuff
1: well, um, since I'm working on a book, uh, the book that I'm working on is a science fiction novel and like a lot of that, is, uh, a thing that I'm doing with this that I've never done before is I'm doing a lot of perfunctory writing around it that has no intention of ever going into the book. Mm. I'm making timelines. I'm figuring out like, just like very like rote, not like just like, not ultra like writerly prose but just like wrote descriptive stuff for the backgrounds of corporations and things that are in there i'm doing character studies i'm actually sketching out characters and trying to figure out what their motivations are and i this is all stuff that i've never really done before It's just these kind of out, outer stuff that i'm using to shape the work and the world that it's in and then going into write using that information that I have in these other documents, like, and that's that's all very interesting. Yeah,
0: I, I love that for you. You know, we've talked a million times about how that leads to higher quality content if you mm-hmm. like have a lot of material to draw from that you don't intend to put into the final product. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I feel like that's an evidence, further evidence of you having an abundance of time, like. Mm-hmm you can afford to think through those questions more and like, do more supplemental writing because mm-hmm. it's not like you're like, this is my only 30 minutes this week. It has to be the Awkward final thing. Product. What hits, what, hit, what makes the cut.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I completely agree. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very helpful. Some days the only things I write are that extra supplementary stuff, but it feels useful to do. So it's, it's good to have access to like, yeah. Damn. Good for you friend. Thank you. Good for you. Yeah. How about you? How, oh, it's how not was happening for go, me. It's not <laughs> happening.
0: That's fair. No, it's yeah, not happening for That's free. fair. Um, of course, this is my own doing. Um, mm. I was there the whole time, every moment that I wasn't doing it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've just been working more and mm-hmm. haven't done it. I mean, at the end of the day, I just haven't done it. Um, but I did attend, I mentioned this to Ben offline. Um, Denver has a really good... Mm slam poetry um community at the mercury cafe and i went to that for the first time and had a really good time and i think i might go to more and then there was an open mic after the slam and i just do find it really inspiring to listen to you know poetry in general but like unpublished like Mm -hmm. people still like in the work Mm -hmm. um yeah the same reason that i find workshops really helpful is like it's it really gets my gears going to like look at somebody else's second third draft and think about what i would do to approach it Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. anyway so i'm starting to feel the inspiration again but i haven't actually done anything well it'd be like time will come yeah yeah yeah
1: you'll find it Um, Yeah. So uh, you mentioned an open mic, like at at this stage in your writing, and I feel like this is just kind of an interesting one-off, like, what's your thoughts on on the open mic, especially as a prose writer, we are both prose writers more than poet writers. Like, how how do you feel about that?
0: Yeah. Just in general, what's my take on open mics?
1: And, And also as a, and your take on participating in them for yourself. Like, is that something you like to do? Something you wish you did more? Something you don't like to do? Yeah.
0: I think I, um, my main take is that like, I'm, I wish that our media, that prose like lent itself to live reading and performance like that, because it mm-hmm. really does lead to community and instant feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I've been thinking about like, I am a prose writer. I don't write in verse. I don't write poems. Um, I could, I, I've done a prose poem once or twice, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. that's really, it was a micro fiction. <laughs> it was flash fiction that I just yeah, saw that- a prose Well. <laughs> <laughs> That I that I paid a little bit more attention to the diction and and, and word sounds in, mm-hmm. uh, than usual. Um, I would love to participate at open mics, but mm-hmm. haven't really done a ton of that. That mm-hmm. said, like open mics, dear listener, are hosts of an open mic are just delighted that people have turned out to participate. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're they're really putting in a lot of work to try to build community and get people mm-hmm. to participate, and there's no reason to be shy like everyone is rooting for you and Mm. wants your work to be good and um no one is there to be ironic or to make fun of you like if they're attending an open mic they're probably reading at that open mic or they're probably like me also a creative in some way and just like not reading at this week's open mic so Mm -hmm. like um do it and i'll take my own advice probably before the next time we record
1: nice awesome oh yeah 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 Cool Man, that's uh, that's been how it's been going on writing um, wait
0: what's what's your yeah. take on open mics do you feel
1: differently? Um, I feel pretty much the same about an open mic. Um, I th- I feel like I agree with you that prose really does not lend itself to an open mic. I feel like anytime I've gone to an open mic and read prose there I'm just like I feel almost like I'm interrupting the flow a little bit uh, of the thing because it's like it's impossible to read an entire piece unless you've written something extremely short. Yeah. And I I feel like it's way harder to get into. And it's like, you know, someone stands up there and now I will tell you a story. Like, Ugh. or I will tell you a part of the middle of a story. It's right. even more likely. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when
0: I say I want to participate soon, I mean, like, I'll be writing something different,
1: prompted mm-hmm. specifically,
0: so that it can, like, For be it. self-contained in such a small format. Yeah. Ben and I yeah. used to host when we were in grad school as part of the lit mag connected to our MFA program, we used to host Mm -hmm. open mics in like retirement bill, Florida. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we would get a lot of people come up and participate and read like diary entries with no stakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that were like clearly first draft, you know? And they were, which is totally fine except for that. They were freaking long. And it was like, it was like, person after person after person reading incredibly 15-plus minute <laughs> like, yeah um, excerpts or, from something that I don't have the context or investment in. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or that one person who read the horniest poem about a horse I'd ever heard in my entire life oh, my that they God. had not written. They were just reading it and didn't understand that it was about gay sex, I think, is yeah. what happened. Like, yeah. that they, yeah. they, they hadn't picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> That was uh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there
0: was like we had we. This, I don't think she was the only one who did this, but like people would come and read like classic poems, poems at the open mic. It was like yeah. the, that's not the point of open mic. Like share yeah. your passion. Like host your own dinner party to share your passion for an established published poem yeah. from a
1: hundred years ago you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah open mics are interesting that that's the other thing i think about open mics is that quality is uh highly variable mm-hmm. at them a lot of the time from the participants and it ends up feeling a little it, it can be a little strange sometimes to be sitting there with like you said hearing just a thing you have no stake in and no understanding of whatsoever what the context for it was supposed to be yeah but you know that's community too. Like it, it's it's filled with everybody. Yeah, totally.
0: I actually. Oh wait, I have to tell you a story about open mics. So yeah. The lesbian bar in Denver. It's named mm-hmm. Blush and Blue. Cool. Um And on Tuesday nights they have a poetry open mic. Like every Tuesday night. Nice. And it's a really cool, um cool experience. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's also like incredibly sad poems. <laughs> like these. Yeah. Yeah, like we're, we as a people are coming up and just reading depression core on on stage um yeah. but some of them are also some of them like they're very interesting and well done as well as very fucking depressing um but the online um blush and blue advertises this poetry open mic like it says poetry open mic in some places but in other places it just says open mic so mm. a friend of mine is like it experimenting with stand-up comedy
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and thought that this was just like a like there weren't restrictions yes. on what genre it is yeah. so she's been doing a couple of times now done stand-up at the poetry open mic <laughs> at the lesbian bar and it's mm-hmm. like sh- real tone shift Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a real tone shift yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> but she's got a really tight five from this okay. because it's like such a because it's such a tone shift you know mm. it turns out this whole time blush and blue also has a stamped up open night <laughs> on mondays and, and she's no one's just telling her go into the wrong night
1: <laughs> uh, that well she's really cutting her teeth um and also probably has a nicer crowd Like, there's a more empathetic crowd at the Poetry Mic. Really generous crowd, yeah. And And the host is, like, (sighs) delighted that she's coming. So, dear listener,
0: whatever weird thing you're doing, like, if the host at the Lesbian Poetry Night is excited for stand-up, like, they'll be... The host at whatever your local open mic is will be excited for whatever thing you got packed.
1: Honestly, as long as they say... if When they say you have five minutes and then you don't go longer than five minutes... They don't care what you do during that five, as long as it's not completely offensive to anyone in the audience. Like, yeah. you're like, I'm just gonna paint. Like, it's a, a it's your five, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> also, if, if even I've been at open mics
0: where I've been like, that's really, I disagree with that. You know, I find that troublesome. I maybe I am offended by something that they've said. Mm-hmm. That's part of the experience. Like, I love mm-hmm. to bond with my friends about like, can you believe he said that shit?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess what I mean by that is just, like, as long as you don't go up and just say, now I'll do my my famous act, five minutes of racial slurs, um, (laughs) then that's probably going to get you the the, the hook. But, yeah. (laughs) It's like characters from around the world, but much worse. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Ben, you're fired.
0: Well, friends... Um, mm. let's get into having and being had by Eula yeah. um, All right, Ben, I sent, I selected having and being had by Eula Uh, and I sent it to you mm-hmm. and I thought you'd be particularly, I thought you might enjoy the subject matter on this one. Yeah. Um, first impressions. What'd you think? I sent okay. you three sections from having and being had.
1: Your thoughts. Yes. Uh, really cool. Uh, for initial thought, really like the form on this. You know how I like a block paragraph. You know how much I like, legitimately, it's like how I don't like indenting paragraphs. Like, and this doesn't. And I'm just like, cool, good form. I forgot about that. Yeah, and, you're such a
0: weird. Yeah, you're right. I forgot that you. Uh... <laughs> Yeah,
1: I, just don't, I like how the text looks when it's just straight across. I don't know. Like, I just think it looks nice that way. But that's, it's really just like a weird like bad brain bit for me. Um, but yeah, so it, do, it does stuff like that right off the bat. And it has these little kind of self-contained paragraphs within – it's like a series of three short sections, each with just a single word title. Um, and each paragraph is separated by a line break and they're related to each other, but each like of these paragraphs is pretty self-contained. Like each one tells its own little unit of story or its own little unit of concept, um, that's trying to be addressed within. And it does this very interesting interweaving of, um, it kind of, I I guess I want to say like almost kind of, uh, disparate ideas, I guess would be the word that I would use, like disparate, um, Concepts that are being related to each other through like a very small experience of a character, like they're very bite size. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting. I like, I'm not having another term come to my head right now, and probably as we progress, I'll figure out a better phrase for it, but like, because I don't like it, but um, dreamlike comes to mind, but I I don't really like saying that because that's that's overused. Um, but it, it just has that very, like, in the way that a dream will have things that don't feel like they should have connections, but you end up drawing a through line through them. Yeah. Um, it, it, these, uh, these, each of these individual sections does that very well. Um, And they all deal with uh, one of my favorite topics for the most part, which is, like, economics and the, like, weird disparities of class and money and what it means to try to participate in society as a result of this. Like, it feels very Marxist in this way, and I'm very happy about it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, you would say that.
0: (laughs) Um, I... Totally agree, and I think the main thing I want to talk about today is that that dreamline through line, dreamlike mm-hmm. through line, or I I was going to call it meandering. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but let me let's start by just I want to like summarize uh, like paragraph by paragraph one of these sections. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm going to do the first one I sent you, which is called passing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Let me do a summary, and then uh, I want to also like read a little section on the air. So if you can keep an ear out for a section that you think would be fun to read on the air, that'd be awesome. Cool. Passing. Um, It starts with Eulabus putting away silverware. um, And then she... Next paragraph is about... this. Sorry, first paragraph, she's putting away silverware, present tense. Um, She talks about the origin of the silverware, a friend gifted it to her because the friend thought that she had ruined it and rusted it um, in the Mm -hmm. dishwasher. But actually you just have to clean it with a cloth. Um, The next paragraph, uh, the friend had asked for the silverware had like implied that she wanted the silverware back. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, the next paragraph is Ulybis realizing in retrospect, like the friend wasn't rich, wasn't making more money than her. It was that she was using grad student debt to pay To buy these kinds of things. So -hmm. she was feeding off of her friends' debt, as she says. Um, There's a quote from a a, a book that she read on the subject Um, Mm -hmm. Credit is a form of optimism. It depends on the belief that the future will be more prosperous than the present. Third paragraph. Yeah, banger. Mm -hmm. Banger. Yeah.
1: Banger. Mm
0: -hmm. um, Third paragraph. I kept the silverware because I couldn't tell the difference between credit and wealth. If I'd had a better eye for class, I would have seen that I was surrounded by people subsisting on credit, living precariously, and passing as a middle class. Fourth paragraph. Um, she quotes a an article she read, The Inescapable Weight of My $100,000 Student Debt. Um, kind of summarizes this article about the writer like living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. for life, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Next paragraph is about Karl Marx, Marx was dogged by debt. I actually did not know any of this Mm -hmm. historical information. I thought it was interesting. Did you know this?
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, of course you did. Marx is an interesting figure.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ben was a philosophy major um, (laughs) in undergrad. And like every now and again, I'm like, well, this is so fascinating. And Ben's like, yeah, I studied that a decade ago. (laughs) But he's so patient with me. Um, Because it's
1: cool. It's always always good to learn. Yeah.
0: philosophy and like the context in which it was made is like consistently really interesting yeah anywho so it turns out Karl Marx was uh in debt for like his whole life um so uh Engels sent him money he kept living above his means like just repeatedly <laughs> choosing to live above his means yeah. <laughs> um, is the uh summary here Um, the next paragraph is about Marx's justification for constantly living above his means. Um, he had daughters and no sons, and he believed, he said that he had to, uh, pretend at a bourgeois life so that his girls would marry well. Um, Mm -hmm. supposedly he would personally, a proletarian life would be quite all right for him if the girls were boys. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I don't know. Marx was born rich. Also, his, his parents were—he, he, I believe, his parents were relatively wealthy. His father was like, and, and uh. this is another thing. Like, it's like, like It's like, I think he was kind of used to a bourgeois existence, even if he recognized all the issues. Like, personally, you know, yeah. he was a guy like the rest of us. father was huh. there.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: I believe that may be incorrect, but I think that's correct.
0: And then the f- the final paragraph of this section, uh, is. Uh, Yolub is talking about a friend of hers who went to a girl's school. um, And the school, like college had a uh, private donor who had just like a scholarship fund specifically for, so designated for students who didn't grow up rich, who could, who wanted to use this money to pass at being middle-class or bourgeois. Mm -hmm. Um, the example given is the the fund in in like the uh, description of the fund. It's if, for example, a, a girl had been invited to the opera but didn't have the proper go- gloves, mm-hmm. um, and that is the section. So we move from she's putting away silverware mm-hmm. to a history of her personal friend and then like speculations on like living on credit and living mm-hmm. in debt. To uh, historical Karl Marx lived in debt. Mm-hmm. To um, there are still today girls colleges that have funds designed to front at passing. Again, yeah. passing is the name of the section
1: mm-hmm. at
0: a higher class. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it moves. It moves. It's so, it's so fascinating where this goes, like, and the way it draws the line between all of these things, because each thing follows, like, I I never felt like I'm being, like, you know, blindsided by the next thing, but the next thing is always something completely unexpected, like, Mm -hmm. you don't know where it's going to go next, but each step makes a lot of sense, like, it's, it's it's really well done. Um, I guess I, I do have a quick question. Is this a memoir, or is this explicitly fiction, or is that not stated? Uh, not really stated. Okay. Um, so Eula
0: Bess is an essay writer. Um, mm-hmm. And also just before this, um, you may know her for um, On Immunity, which was familiar, a bestseller. Yeah. It, okay. So On Immunity is a really interesting book. I opened it, and it's it's about vaccination and, mm-hmm. like, immunization and, like, fears of vaccination mm-hmm. not being mm-hmm. legit or good. safe yeah. or healthy, yeah. which are all false. And it, it's a yes. really good, like, obviously, like, vaccinations are safe.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Read on immunity if you'd like more details on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she does a really good, like, interrogation of being a middle-class white lady and mm-hmm. how it's her demographic who is mm-hmm. cautious and she's mm-hmm. like a new mother. Um, but I opened mm-hmm. this book on immunity mm-hmm. and like read the first couple of chapters and was like, is this about COVID? And it, it was published in 2014. So um, another yeah. another good interrogation. So no, she is a nonfiction writer, essayist and mm-hmm. researcher.
1: Okay. Primarily. She's yeah.
0: also historically a poet, but she's known for
1: essays. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, it definitely reads like this was written by a poet. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. We love poets turned prose writers this, on this pod. <laughs> the better the better they're, just,
0: they're better at it. They're better at it. They're better at it I am. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> it's just the truth. It's just the truth. It can't be Um Yeah, so I freaking love, I love this, and this passing that we just summarized paragraph by paragraph is really representative, I think, of, like, how um, it sort of feels meandering to me when you, when I'm reading it for the first time, but when I'm Mm -hmm. in retrospect, it's like absolutely like faking as if it's meandering in order to punch me really hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's true too. I felt, again, I don't have a ton of like the depth of historical knowledge that Ben sometimes can draw upon. So Ben, tell me if this was old news for you. Um, another section that I sent Ben, Mm -hmm. mastered uh starts by thinking about like the etymology of the word service
1: Mm -hmm. and Mm
0: -hmm. um ends with the second to last paragraph is an interesting historical fact uh virginia wolf did not know
1: this yeah okay cool yeah so
0: this paragraph starts with like an etymology of the word service which from the previous section eulibus had talked with a student about and then uh the second-to-last paragraph is about Virginia Woolf, like, being prescribed doing house care um, mm-hmm. uh, to, like, like cope with her depression, essentially. Yeah. And then the final paragraph, I want to read this whole paragraph.
1: This Please, fun, this go for it. It's,
0: it's good, yeah. <clears throat> so, Virginia Woolf. During her recovery from an overdose of sleeping medication, one of Virginia's therapies was cleaning the drawing room. Years later, shortly before she drowned herself, she began scrubbing the floors of her house on her hands and knees. It was a desperate bid to remain alive. Her doctor had advised her to keep busy and noted privately that it would do her good to harrow a field. She spent hours beating the carpets and then watched the dust from the carpets settle onto the books she had just dusted. The day she died, she worked alongside her maid all morning. Then she put down her duster and walked into the river. Oh my God. I didn't know any of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that either. Like that's astounding. And it reveals so much like both about Virginia Woolf, also the historical context that she's living in of like how doctors were treating women in that moment and, and how like, and her as a person and like how she reacted to the world around her. Like it, it encompasses a ton in that just really small amount of text, barely 150 words, I think like, yeah. yeah. Well, just, just to take a step away from the craft of this moment, which we'll get
0: back to in a second. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, that is like a good treatment for dep- like, you need to do something mm-hmm. that makes you feel yeah. like you're making progress and cleaning is yeah. one of those things. So is exercising. So it's like acquiring yeah. a new skill, like a new sport or a new, new kind of athleticism. Um, like this is still a recommendation, sort of, yeah. to this yeah. day. I think it like reveals um, how boring it would have been to an been an upper class lady with no, mm-hmm. with so few responsibilities in this era. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not allowed to or not supposed to do any work, like. Yeah, you would never feel like you're making progress. I'd be depressed, too. <laughs> yeah. Even regardless of, yeah.
1: like, Virginia Wolf's particular situations. Yeah, yeah. I I think the way that I read that is it's saying, like, you know, when you have a person that's OD'd on sleeping pills, like, that's where they're at in their mm-hmm. experience, and your advice to them is, like, well, maybe you should just get some exercise. Like, yeah, I agree. Exercise helps. <laughs> like, you know, doing stuff like that, It's that very much feels like something that, you know, you'll see on like tiktok nowadays is just like the cure for dep- depression is orange juice and sunshine and it's like well not really the cure well, for yeah. you know, like it's in <laughs> part that those things can help depending on your situation like cleaning helps but it's also like telling someone's like oh you just need to stay busy yeah that's that's why you're depressed is because you're not busy yeah. enough it's like that's the the way that that's very dismissive i feel like uh, of maybe a more in, deeper internal struggle that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, I also, it's, it's just the, like to play at or be prescribed to do something that someone else does as their labor to try to get by and make a living. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. also just an interesting,
1: yeah. Uh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that coming up against that of just like this is literally survival for some people but it's being utilized as you know quote-unquote medicine in this scenario like or an attempt to like some sort of anathema for it yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) so the craft of this paragraph i think encompasses (laughs) what i think is just like stunning about this (laughs) eulabyss book in general uh so again just one more, one more time. hmm yeah, During cheers. her recovery of, from an overdose of sleeping medication, one of Virginia's therapies was st- cleaning the drawing room. Years later, shortly before she drowned herself, shortly before she drowned herself, hello, she drowns herself, new information. Years later, shortly before she drowns herself, so this is going to happen, but we're talking about years, mm-hmm. we're talking about a different era. Just be aware, mm-hmm. she's going to drown herself, eventually. Mm-hmm. Years later, shortly before she drowned herself, she began scrubbing the floors of her house on her hands and knees. It was a desperate bid to remain alive. Her doctor had advised her to keep busy and noted privately that it would do her good to harrow a field. She spent hours beating the carpets and then watched the dust from the carpets settle onto the books that she adjusted. What a small moment. Mm-hmm. Dust settling in the air. The day she died. She is going to die today. The day she died, but we're not there yet, comma. She worked alongside her maid all morning. Then she put down her duster and walked into the river. The amount of previewing what is going to happen Mm -hmm. is really Mm -hmm. high here. So Mm -hmm. I I focused on years later, shortly before she drowned herself, the day she died, comma, she worked, blah, blah, blah. And it still really, really hit me like a punch. Like, Mm -hmm. then she put down her duster and walked into the river to... Mm -hmm. I think in part because that sentence alone put down her duster. She's in her house. Like there's so many logistics in between that and walking into the yeah. river. And I love that those are ignored. Like the we're skipping yeah. from putting down a duster in her house to drowning herself in the river, like nearby. Um, mm-hmm. But I absolutely love this paragraph throughout it is previewing where it's going to end, mm-hmm. but it still mm-hmm. felt um meandering it felt like it was like leading me through these small moments mm-hmm. and i as i was reading for the first time was still like shocked by where it ended
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah uh, i definitely see what you're saying there like because each of these like smaller moments that as you're saying were kind of like meandering through towards it are it's like at the paragraph is actively showcasing the struggle against its own conclusion mm-hmm. like we we see this constant return to these small moments which are virginia wolf struggling against this desire to no longer live and it's, a, and it's only at the end when the resistance finally gives way and she walks into the river. Like, But we see her desperately trying to push that off through this act of physical labor throughout the entire thing. And, that, and it hits through each of these moments to try to push it off for as long as it can, just as these actions were meant to, I feel like, which is just mm-hmm. really, really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I also, yes,
0: also the language does this mm-hmm. for us. So mm-hmm. if you told me completely out of context if you told told me that someone walked into the river mm-hmm. I might just be like oh they were crossing it right like this might not be mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. would not necessarily have the weight that it does but because yeah. we've been told twice in this paragraph this is a deadly act before mm-hmm. she drowned herself and then the day she died I know I like have more gravitas to that really plain language yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm able to remember that information and bring that gravitas to such a plain and understated way of saying she killed herself by drowning herself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 plain language throughout this is doing a lot of work. I think just, not just in this paragraph, but in all of them, these kind of uh, um, just almost unemotive deliveries. Like there's moments of emotion. I think we see that in the sentence of like, um, when she says, like, it was a desperate bid to remain alive, like, that's a sudden outburst within this. Like, mm-hmm. that feels like an emotive response. But the rest of this is, like, pretty much purely factual. Like, it's just things she was doing. Here is an action. Here is a, you know, a, a thing that was observed. Here Here is just a, what occurred. Um, and, and just the way that it, like, kind of places those one after another, I, I think, allows for that kind of, you know, that garden path like meandering style that we're kind of talking about, like to to come to these conclusions that have the emotional weight, because we, we go through the kind of wandering through the factual aspects, and then we're given those brief moments of emotion, like that sentence in the final sentence. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So I think this paragraph is like an encapsulation of the wandering feeling throughout this book. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, we know that the subject matter is capitalism. Mm-hmm. And we can have these small moments about cleaning the silverware with a with a towel instead of through the dishwasher mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and understand there's more weight to it because of the context overall of the book, yeah, yeah, absolutely um, so I want to talk with you I want to tell you I didn't suddenly send you this ahead of time. So this is new info for Oh, okay, cool um, how she wrote these was okay.
1: interesting.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Euclidus in her notes on having and being had uh, talks about the rules, um, mm. and she's part of the section is talking about like the rules of polite conversation about money. Mm-hmm. Um, don't talk about it. If you talk about it, don't be specific. Minimize mm-hmm. the money that you have. Emphasize what that you have earned. The money that you have. And never forget that work is the story we tell ourselves about money. So we're always telling ourselves we have money or we have wealth because of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So for the purpose of these books, so that's, that's her breakdown of like polite societal conversation. Mm-hmm. In order to write this book, she gave herself different rules. So mm-hmm. the first rule um, about form and style of these short, short essays, mm-hmm. um, every piece has to start in the present tense with a moment from her life mm. honestly having read the entire book and then read this afterwards I was like oh my god I didn't even notice like, <laughs> <laughs> like every with with rare exceptions like every piece starts mm-hmm. with present tense she's doing something right now yeah. so she's cleaning the silverware she's like googling paging through dictionaries to find out yeah. the etymology of service mm-hmm. it was like a light bulb got turned. I was like I just read this whole book and I didn't notice that um, mm-hmm. So every every essay starts with present tense. She's actively doing something. It has to include an exchange or a conversation with another person, and um, she only is allowed to read books and articles that her real life friends recommend to her while talking about these things. Hmm. So Interesting. Limiting the like research that she draws upon is also a way of her like further examining. Her class, because her friends are largely in her social class, mm-hmm. and
1: mm-hmm.
0: like what types of knowledge they have and what types of research this class is doing, is another way for her to like, you know, be more critical of the new social class that she's in.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So God. thoughts. That's just amazing use of constraint. Like, well, one of my favorite ways that I've ever, you know, some of my favorite pieces that I've ever read are often written from a place of constraint. Like, it's just a perfect example of how that, putting a constraint on yourself, if done correctly in your writing, it doesn't narrow your field, it actually widens it. Because just saying, like, oh, everything has to start with a first person, like, present tense, like, moment from my life. Well, now suddenly it becomes what is the question isn't like oh i have to think of what these are it's like okay so what is an actual like moment from my life it can be as simple as looking through the dictionary which is a vastly different action than polishing silverware yeah. like the the kind of things that you think about in the those scenarios i i think that's such a genius way to write a book like to work on these especially for smaller pieces like this of just saying like okay i'm only allowed to do this and then incorporating how you do research from that into the actual process i just i'm just really impressed by that like i don't have commentary on that i just think that's a really smart idea right and, and it? clearly comes from someone who's really clearly thinking about this like what she wants this to look like
0: yeah folks eulabus is in her bag as the kids would say um like she is <laughs> she knows what she is doing um mm-hmm. yeah so i love this that constraint I love the choices of those constraints, too, because Mm -hmm. it is grounding, you know, philosophical ideas. It is a way of ensuring that she is always grounding those in real-life implications.
1: Mm -hmm. So she
0: starts with the real-life present tense moment in her life that is Mm -hmm. making sure that she is showing these ideas impact our real lives on a Mm day-to-day basis. And then including conversations with friends. Like, I didn't... Again, another thing that I didn't fully realize... I knew that there was a lot of conversing with friends throughout, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't fully realize, you know, that it was structured every single essay had at least one. That's what it was, yeah. Um, But it also, like... You know, her friends, like, her are... You know, Ulobis was born, her dad's a doctor, Mm -hmm. but she then chose to go a starving artist route in New York Mm -hmm. City and was, you know, really broke for a Mm -hmm. long time. And then now this book is in part spurred by she's got a stable university professor job making Mm -hmm. an amount of money that she didn't conceptualize was possible for her. And she bought a house. And she's like, a lot of this book is investigating, you know, it's weird to be a homeowner. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's not something that she imagined she'd be able to do. And she also, you know, bought a house in a neighborhood of Chicago that is historically black and was historic mm-hmm. was like redlined in the past. And, um, yeah, yeah. So these constraints really like force her to ground historical context and research and real life implications, and also her social circle, which is similarly like the prof- professorial class. Yeah. Yeah.
1: God, that's just good. <laughs> that's just a really smart thing to do. Like, uh, I'm, I'm deeply impressed by that. That that's really cool. Yeah. And I love how she came up with these rules
0: because she doesn't, she didn't come up with them out of thin air. She thought like, well, what are the rules of polite conversation? How do I want to break those? Mm-hmm. And then how can I turn <laughs> that into mini essays? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, and I think, like, it it demonstrates why throughout this book feels dreamlike, garden path, meandering, um, because, like, she is investigating capitalism from all these different perspectives, but she's doing it in a way that is intentionally, you know, um, not building to a, like, book-long climax, per se. Like, she's mm-hmm. making you feel like um, you're being, I, I don't know, I feel like. It felt very much like an actor convincingly, like discovering the, I don't know, figuring out the detective mystery as he was going. Mm-hmm. Like I like believed mm-hmm. as I was as it was happening that the detective didn't know the answer to who done mm-hmm. it
1: yet. But like mm-hmm. afterwards, I was like, oh my god, that actor rocked it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I get what you're saying. Like it, it, it's. It's one of these things where I think what she's done is also allowed herself a pathway to ask these questions about class in a very honest and immediate way that becomes personal to her without, like, from being from, like, an upper, like, a higher class background necessarily and, like, not having that dip into being overly sentimental towards people that are not within her class strata, which I think happens a fair amount when people are doing things like this. Like, Mm we become... You know, we lose sight of the humanity of people in both good and bad ways, um, and I think that this ground because it grounds her own humanity in it in that immediate forefront. It makes that analysis work better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes it a more honest analysis, um, mm-hmm. and it probably also leads to like you know if you're to look at this through like a purely philosophical lens it probably leads to critical gaps in her analysis which is also very important to that understanding mm-hmm. um i think that that just it, it just makes it a very honest text in a way that i really like um, yeah. that's 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 really cool and also she has all these constraints and like you said you don't notice them when you're reading it like yeah. any good constraints it just becomes the book like, the book is what you're reading. You're not reading through the rules that she set out for herself. Those just happen to be there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, um, it makes me, I think, that's maybe the main uh, craft technique that I want to, like, turn <clears throat> into an exercise for our dear <throat> listeners and ourselves. Um, first, like, consider this format of <clears throat> two-and-a-half, three-page essays. Um, mm-hmm. this rocked, I loved this. Um, it was, mm-hmm. I tore through this book too, in part because I don't know, like, I do think having these shorter essays, like helps me keep momentum as I, as I'm reading and like want to keep going. Cause it's like, oh my God, yeah. no, I could do a whole another one. You know, the reward, yeah, They're bite sized. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But consider this format first and foremost, like three page long essays. Um, mm-hmm. but I think this method of developing constraints is phenomenal. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. if
0: you are, you know, interested in a certain subject matter and you're not sure how to approach it, or you think that you're doing it, I don't know, in a, in a format that's not landing or inauthentic or, um, first write down what are the polite conversation rules? Don't talk about money. If you talk about money, don't name, name a specific number. And then, investigate how you want to break those rules. Um, One other rule that I didn't mention earlier is like, she also gave herself a rule. If she names or references an amount of money, she has to name in the book, the exact amount of money. So I know Mm. exactly what she paid for this house, you know? (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. Interesting. Um, Yeah.
0: And so write down the polite societal, you know, social norms about this topic. And then, Mm like literally write down the rules. How do you want to break those social norms? Um, And I think like how she approached it, which giving herself the structure of like the final product needs to start with an in scene moment, needs to reference a book that a a real person in my life recommended to me and needs to include a conversation with a real person in my life. Um, I think that constraint also really helped in the drafting process. Like it, it like, to give yourself, wait, okay, wait, this chapter's got to be about Virginia Woolf, but wh- wh- how can I start this, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really, 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 working within constraints will help you draft more freely.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agreed. It-, it gives you starting places, like just automatic starting places as a result, and you just see where it flows from there. Yeah, I, I think that sounds like a really good idea. Like, It, it also shows that constraints don't have to be like, I think sometimes when we hear constraints like people might go more towards like the Wheelapo style constraints, who they they were a French writing group. Um Georges Perec and Calvino, like the the like fabulists and people like that were like involved in them in one way or another. But the big example I, I give of this is when I think of constraint is um Parekh wrote a novel called Avoid, in which for the entire novel he never used the letter E. Um, he never used it once. Um, the the no- It's an impressive feat. The novel's unreadable. Like, his, he uses insane words every three seconds. I don't know how it got translated from French into English. That's another feat. Like, but once again, you can't, it, 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 there's no point in trying to read this thing. It, it's not fun. You're just, you, you're sitting there with a dictionary for every third word, essentially, because that's how far afield he has to go. And I feel like sometimes when people think of constraint, they think of things like that. Like, Mm. I have to do something that is going to fundamentally formally change the way I write, whereas this instead changes the way that you formulate ideas through these constraints. And through setting up rules about, like, polite conversation and trying to break them, I I think that that is a a great way to approach that sort of interrogation. Yeah. Mm.
0: (laughs) Ben, that's fascinating. Tell me more about, was it The Wheel of Poe?
1: Yeah, Wheel of Poe, like, they, they, they were just a, you know, a creative writing circle. You can still buy their big book of constraints that they came up with, like, or that, and it's very fascinating. If you want to do stuff like that, which leads to much kind of stranger results as a result of it, because they were trying to change what books looked like and what it meant to write. They were very interested in that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of their stuff is very successful. Like, Parekh has other novels that I think are excellent. Like, he had his book um, Life, A User's Manual, is this 700-page tome of interconnected stories where each story takes place in a different room inside of a apartment building. It is about the different people that live there. And then each one also builds on their relationship to the other people in there. But that reads like an actual book, you know, like it's actually a thing. And it's all sorts of stuff like that, um, you know, uh, calvino very famously uh wrote a book of short stories uh called the castle of cross destinies where every story was based on a different tarot card and what the very what the actual meaning of the tarot card is and that is what the story was written like being informed by the different like tarot spreads that he was creating for himself with it like it's yeah it's stuff like that so it's definitely more kind of concretized, I would say, rules being set up. It's, like, that you have to follow instead of more, you know, conceptual rules. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the um, constraints, like, don't use the letter E related to Mm -hmm. form Mm -hmm. are interesting for other writers. But I'm really interested Mm in constraints, conceptual constraints, like you said, Mm -hmm. like, related to how she formulates the ideas that go into this Mm -hmm. book hmm
1: that's yeah. So cool yeah neat yeah I, I think that stuff is great too like i, I i'm a fan of both for sure <laughs> yeah ben ben yeah. is our resident uh formal experimenter yeah formalist yeah <laughs> but yeah
0: uh, cool well yeah. thank anything you anything else
1: you want to bring on bis before we wrap up
0: uh this is a great book having and being yeah
1: by eula uh, i'm I'm going to try to get it from the local library because this seems awesome. I want to read it. Uh, this is hmm.
0: this is in your lane
1: for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there anything that you've been into that you want to leave the uh, listeners with before we head out?
0: Yes. Speaking of uh, books of miniature essays, I want to recommend mm-hmm. a different book of miniature essays by cool. a different poet-turned-prose writer, mm. um, The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. Hmm. Um so Roske sets out to write a like mini essay or a prose poem, however you want to slice and dice this per day about something he finds delightful. Um mm-hmm. it's nice. It's pleasant. Nice. Yeah. If you're look if you're in the mood for one to two page essays, The Book of Delights by Roskay.
1: Cool. That sounds excellent. Um I will recommend uh the uh books The Red Rising series uh, by Pierce Brown, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a big junk food science fiction series. Um, I read the first three. It's separated into two trilogies. I've finished the first trilogy, and I'm going to take a break before going into the second one, but... Very fun, action-heavy, like, goofball books kind of thing. Like, not you're not going to be here for great writing throughout. The writing is solid. Like, characterization is fine. They're, they're archetypical characters, but they're still, like, you know, they're there. Like, there's enough there to keep it entertaining. The big thing in this is the way he writes action sequences. Um, He, he has a really deft hand for action sequences in that they're very legible on the page. Uh, the best example that I can give is the way that he'll do an action sequence. Like, there's a lot of sword fighting in this book, even though it's a science fiction series. Instead of describing sword fights as in, like, you know, and then he rolled to the left and then, you know, mm-hmm. raised his sword in front of him. They're really based in, like, sensory experience of characters. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be, like, you know, it's the smell of the sword as it whizzes by someone's head. And then, like, you know, and then, you know, the... And then that relates to an emotive response of the relationship between the two characters are fighting, of they're afraid of this person, or they they remember when they were friends with this person because there's tons of betrayal in these books, that sort of thing. And then the actual step-by-step sequence of, like, a f- like, what's physically happening in the fight is often described in terms of, like, and then I bested him in three moves without actually describing what the moves are. So instead... Mm-hmm of the action sequences relying on what's actually happening in the scene. They rely on this emotive sensory experience between the characters. And I think that's really well done. And it's, it's worth reading them for. They're real fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would, I would, I would read a section from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we might at some point, I'm going to bring in one of those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks everybody. And, yeah. um,
1: have a great day yeah <laughs> well wait we should
0: uh we'll see you on the next episode whenever mm-hmm. that happens um yep. and if you have questions or suggestions for us we're at goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and
1: uh hit that follow button friends yeah sm- smash it today sm- smash
0: smash <laughs> <laughs> he did a, then did a real corny thumbs up and smile at the camera I just want to rat <laughs> I want to make sure everyone knows
1: alright bye everybody see you soon bye, bye.